Do you guys want one of those things? I wanted one when I was 12 and used to watch Inspector Gadget, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Not really. I don't want to wear a watch. Like I, I would. I, that I would like to have a watch because yeah, I used to I don't, wear a watch. I don't wear watches. Please. Wednesday, September 4th, 2013. This is episode 69 of Yats. Every Wednesday evening, join up here with a hangout and we talk about Yats. Hangouts Against Humanity. Awesome, Ant. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, we have Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? How you doing? All right. What's Hangouts Against Humanity? I'm curious now. It was a card game, actually. Ah, playing a little poker. Not quite. But it was, it was pretty fun. If you haven't checked out H-A-H, check it out next time you're having some nerdtacular time with your friends. Nice. Also joining us, Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Hi, you guys. Good to see you. Hey, yeah, there's, there's a monitor behind you with action going on. I don't know what that is. It's Killer Instinct, isn't it? <laughs> Zoom in on that. That's called, my, that's called my television. What are they playing? What game are they playing? It looks like Killer Instinct. Uh, no, that was uh, UFC this time. Close. <laughs> Did I also introduce Nick Carroll? Nick Carroll joining us. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. Good to have you. Uh, we should start things off because I don't know how long your, your lunch break is, but you, uh, you made a video. We should talk about Microsoft, Nokia. Did we mention last episode about Steve Ballmer leaving or retiring? I think we totally didn't even mention that. I, I don't remember if we did or not, but... All of these things kind of kind of happening at once. Uh, let's start out though, Nick. You made a video about your thoughts on on the whole merger. You want, is it a merger or an acquisition or what? It's a buyout of a huge chunk of Nokia. They're a company worth about I don't know roughly maybe twenty billion. I kind of see different things online, but uh, about a seven billion dollar chunk is. Uh, of them, they're basically being bought out. It's a sale. This so is this? Is it the same way when Google bought Motorola? They only bought a certain portion of it, or did Microsoft straight up buy the whole thing, all of their patents and everything? Because I heard the patents weren't maybe included. It's basically the devices and services, and it's mostly all of their mobile stuff. About eight thousand patents out of maybe thirty thousand total, or maybe they have maybe they have thirty-eight and they've got thirty left. So many patents. Yeah, and they're going to have some sort of a, a deal where they, over the next 10 years after the, after the buyout completes, uh, they'll license like thousands of uh, patents from uh, Nokia or Nokia. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty big, pretty big deal. Well, I mean, you know, relatively uh, a big deal. I mean, it's billions and billions of dollars. So it's like $5 billion, I think, in devices and the rest, two point whatever it is, for services. So... What's the rest of Nokia? I thought it was the whole thing. What, what's the, you said it's worth $20 billion altogether? Uh, they've got uh, a division called Here Maps, where it's like Here Transit and like there's another thing they do. But basically, uh, 
It's mapping, basically, location services. I forget the, the name of it. They didn't get the mapping part? No. Ironically, they don't, they don't have that. You oh, think I, that would have been an important yeah. part in this while you're at it, or are you just going to keep using Google Maps? Because how's yeah, that okay. relationship? Well, I think they're going to license the te- – well, they may license uh, a lot of Nokia's technology to bring it into, you know, you know alongside theirs. And then uh, the other part of what Nokia retains is like a networking division. Uh, they merged with another company, I think Siemens, and they created something called like Nokia Siemens Network. So it's just like networking, network infrastructure that, that they have along with the, the mapping. So maps and networks, uh, Nokia's going to retain, but they're selling off their, uh, their mobile platform, essentially their smartphones and potentially tablets that are that are uh, coming up. So. Which, I mean, if you think about it, it almost makes more sense for Nokia because they weren't really, you weren't seeing any Nokia Android phones or anything like that. Um, it was Microsoft. They were kind of with them. So to, it, it's almost like, you know, here, just take this and give us some spending money or, or whatever because you're going to use them anyway. Like, I don't, what does Microsoft get out of it? I mean, they get phone manufacturer. They can they, produce their own phones. Well, here's, here's the deal. It, it was never, well, as near as I can tell, guaranteed that Nokia wouldn't go Android or wouldn't pursue other routes. You know, because honestly, in the last couple of years, they've been losing a lot of money. Uh, you know, even though they have like a, a brief spurt of profit where, you know, hey, we're, we announced a new smartphone. We're now selling it. But then after that, it peters off. So... It, it was still on the table for a Nokia to go off and do their own thing. So in, my, in this way, and of course you have like Samsung and HTC and I think Huawei, maybe someone else, also selling Windows phones. And um, But a very tiny, maybe, tiny portion yeah. in, in comparison to how many Android phones Samsung, so HTC. Way, if Nokia decides, you know what, screw Windows, we're going to go off and do our own thing or we're going to go do Android then what does Microsoft have in order to generate revenue on, on the mobile side of things, which they are focusing on really hard. So I think it's one of those things where they just clean up loose ends. If Samsung goes off and does ties in, if you know, HTC does their own Chinese operating system, you know, and they forget about Windows, you know, Microsoft, they have their Surface phone. They have their own line. They get, they purchase, they get like 30,000, 32,000 people from Nokia across the world, particularly in Europe. Um, in this, and that basically bolsters uh, what Microsoft has. So they've got a legitimate mobile platform, and not just not only that, they're getting you know all these patents that they own outright, right. mobile technology patents, plus others that they're gonna you know get licensed from Nokia, and uh, this this actually turns them into a really big player. So and I see a lot of. Uh, Stuff online, a lot of articles, concerns about them maybe turning into a huge patent troll, you know. So we'll see how this goes, but it's it's a big purchase. I think if they do that, though, that's like a good sign that they're kind of grasping for straws. Because, I mean, no one wants to turn into a patent troll. You either get a spell put on you and turn into one that way, or, you know. I, I hope they wouldn't do that. I mean, they get licensing money from Android anyway, right? So yeah. it's... Yes, didn't, Larry. Didn't Microsoft already own a portion of Nokia? I don't know if they invested or not. If so, I'm, I'm not aware of it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So do you think Wait. this, I mean, this and the whole Steve Ballmer thing, is that just happenstance of the timing, or is that well, any honestly, way related? Just like Android KitKat, they, they've been working on uh, Nokia and Microsoft have been working on this deal for, it looks like, about two years, and 
maybe a few months ago, supposedly they gave up on it, but I just think they were just sitting on it, crunching the numbers, and yeah, they finally, you know, put it together. So do you, you think know, I do think that there's a relationship between Steve Ballmer going on his way out on this new new uh, chapter with Nokia. I'm curious if maybe Nokia was holding out and being like, we're not really a big fan of that Balmer guy. You get rid of him, you yeah. got a deal. What's in it for us, you know, basically? So yeah, apparently that's that's in it. I mean, who knows? We, we don't really know yet. Down, down the line, we'll see how this goes. But, uh, man, this has been a really, uh, I mean, like it was like a little more than a week ago, you know, Balmer announced that he's going to retire in a year. And then, you know, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, Another bombshell drops with Nokia being a part of Microsoft or going to be a part of Microsoft. Is it busy week? Is it weird that on the day of the announcement, I'm reading here that their stock, Microsoft stock, went down six percent? Like, is that? Yeah, you would think. Well, I mean, they're going to spend a lot of money to get this done. So, uh, on top of how much money have they lost, and how much did they give Balmer on his way out? And I mean, there's just uh, a lot of money just going up right well, there. I think, if anything, this this may, as a result of this purchase, uh, kind of stem the bleeding, and maybe they can kind of unify and get their shit together, for lack of a better phrase, and and actually produce really good phones. I mean, let, let's face it, the Surface tablets have horrible phones. Maybe we'll actually see a Surface 2 or 3 down the line with a decent camera. So there, there are a lot of good things that could come from this. Yeah, I, I really take heart at the camera in that 1020. Um, maybe Nokia is going to really do really different phones and way better innovative phones. I, yeah. I, you know, I want it to happen because I hate, I want competition. Yeah, you know, also they build good phones. They build good quality hardware, so that's not a question. I, I put a link in the, sh- in the uh, not the show notes, whatever you guys call it, the rundown to a really cool commercial. I don't know if you guys saw it. Did you see it yet? I see you're no, I didn't see it yet. A funny okay. commercial for that phone, and it's it's both funny, but it makes a valid point. It's a cool phone. Is it the one where everyone's with their tablets and phones moving up towards yeah, the stage? They're each other over, and then these. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen that. Hey man, we just zoom in optic. Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't need optical zoom. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a cool commercial. You know, also I read speculations that that um, the guy that's the head of Nokia might be the next CEO of Microsoft. Yeah, and, and that's actually, this guy. He's from Microsoft. I don't know if it's. Yeah, he worked for a couple of years for Microsoft in there. It's like a. I don't remember the exact name. Is that, that Stephen like Elop? Division. Is that Stephen yeah, Elop? Elop. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The. Uh, Steve, yeah, he was the head of like the business division, which included Outlook and Exchange. And uh, Microsoft did that for like two, three years, and then he left, and he immediately went to Nokia, became their CEO. And uh, he's now back, and he's going to head up like the devices division, uh, you know, which is like Xbox and uh, maybe even Surface, so stuff like that. Working for Microsoft now. Yeah, he's he's a Microsoft. (laughs) See something or other. Yeah, we should level executive. Yeah. So they got him too. Yeah. We should mention uh, on a new domain.net, Tom Ewing and uh, Gina Smith both wrote articles about it. And Tom's article is kind of interesting. He he has these silhouette cutouts of the two, uh, Stephen Elop and Balmer. And you can kind oh, of focus wow. on each one's facial expressions. And yeah, he's kind of making the point that, you know, one of them is the conqueror and one is the defeated man. And in these pictures, yeah. you kind of see... Uh, Balmer always having this smile and being like, yeah, and, the, and then you have uh, Elop kind of 
walking away as as maybe the defeated man. I, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. Nokia was going down in terms of profitability, so I mean they had to do something, you know. So I mean they were basically losing, and then they sell a huge chunk of their company, arguably the biggest part of it, and uh, or the most notable part. I mean who really knows them for networking and maps? I don't. So. Yeah, I mean, I can see why it would be bad on their end, but good for Microsoft. I, I do think this is a huge win for Microsoft, but maybe this can also stem the bleeding for Nokia. Like I had said earlier in um, social media, it sometimes these acquisitions are bittersweet. You know, yeah. if you're the person that's being acquired, it can be a big thing to be acquired and get that big payday, but then it's also your baby that you've been running the show and, and, and growing the products and whatnot and you might have caught a snag and it's time to take your cards and push them back into the muck, you know, and just cash out while you can. Well the, well, the good advantage is if you're a company like Waze and then you get bought out for a billion, you know, by Google, you know, that's that's pretty good. I'm pretty sure you're pretty yeah. you're pretty happy with that with that uh, sellout. So you know It sounds dirty when you say it's a sellout. Yeah, well that's what a lot of people, particularly Nokia fans, are calling this or implying heavily. But, uh, I mean, honestly, if you're into an actual third competitor in the smartphone market, it's not BlackBerry, and Windows is having a hard time being a relevant third place. So, uh, And it obviously, it obviously makes sense that they would buy Nokia before they would buy BlackBerry, just having the existing ties and, and, and all oh, that. Yeah. but. It, would it be also in their interest to acquire them as well? I mean, while they're burning money, like, why stop at Nokia? I, why not just I go all the so, way? And there's conjecture that that might happen, but I don't think that would happen until, at a minimum, this Nokia thing occurs. I mean, I don't think it would sure. look good at Microsoft trying to buy two at the same time. Right, even though right. neither company that they're buying is an American-made company. And in Gina's article saying that the DOJ uh, is maybe not very, not very down with this. They say the deal will make Microsoft, which hardly had any mobile smartphone patents just a few years ago, the biggest single player in the world in terms of mobile telecom IP. And so, of course, if they then bought BlackBerry at the same time, they'd have all too much. Yeah, they would. De- well, they would definitely. They would probably be immediately in the five or six percent, you know, chunk automatically. But I mean, realistically, what would they do to BlackBerry? They would just tank it. I mean. You know, realistically, the hardware that BlackBerry is making isn't any better uh, than the hardware Nokia is making. You know, the CPU is pretty decent, but if you compare the camera of like the Z10 or the Q10 to any of the Nokia phones released in the last, you know, flagship Nokia phones released in the last year, they can't really compete. So, I don't know. I'm skeptical about. I mean, they could definitely buy BlackBerry, pick them up for a couple billion or something like that, or at least the part, the divisions that they need. But I just, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't see how the Department of Justice can. I mean, maybe they've got a lot of intellectual property, but shit, they don't have any market share at all. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I don't see the, the DOJ saying no on this because it's not like Microsoft is buying another American, you know, smartphone company. They're buying a company that's outside the U.S. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's no big monopoly. Surely, far from a monopoly in that market. True. Is it weird that they're uh, they're buying smartphone company when everyone else is kind of moving towards smartwatches? Maybe they should have. 
We should talk about that a little bit. IFA is happening right now in Berlin. Lots of uh, interesting stuff coming out of there. The the Galaxy Note 3 was officially confirmed. I don't know if it's anyone right. excited for the Note 3. I'm excited, but yet it still has a physical hardware button on it. Well, I've got a friend that's really excited about Well, also my wife is extremely excited about it, although we're not going to be able to get it because it's likely going to be in the $800 range. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I have at least one friend that's going to find some way, come hell or high water, to get that phone. So, uh, and I personally think it's an awesome phone. So, but yeah, it's definitely, I think it's the best, the highest end phone out there, at least out of all the ones that I've seen. Three so gigs of... a little of, bit bigger and a little bit lighter, right? And more powerful. It says three gigs of RAM, a 13 megapixel camera, uh, some models capable of shooting 4K. Uh, they have the 3G version will have the 1.9 gigahertz octo core, and the LTE will have the 2.3 uh, quad core. So, Wait, is cool. it just you get different um, different specs because of the radio? That's interesting, right? Cool. So, with the faster radio, you get a lower processor. I wonder if that has anything to do with battery. Battery also, because then the 3G has the octo core processor, which who knows. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they did to the Note 2 what the S4 did to the S3. It's better in pretty much all all, all areas, so. Yeah, hardware-wise. We'll see what kind of poop they put on it. But I don't know, the Note's kind of always been pretty <laughs> decent, it seems like. I never got one, but. Yeah, it's going to be minimum 32 gigs of storage. I mean, yeah. and, and so it's, it's, it's likely that there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of reasons why they wouldn't be able to make a 16-gig version of it, but. What's with the odd number of RAM? Three gigs? Three gigs instead of four? It's like that other phone we talked about on AOTA that had 1.5 gigs. Like, they couldn't quite get that other half a gig. It was like... Yeah, buy two, get one free. Yeah, 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 totally. 5.7 inch. the expanded version, you get 11.5 gigs. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then you can wait for Android to deal with all, all those gigs eventually. Good grief. The smart watch thing, what, did you guys see anything on um, special reports about that today? I didn't get to catch it, I was, but I know today was today for that announcement. I have a, I've only, I've I, only I, caught a little bit here and there, but it's basically a Samsung-only device and only of the most recent high-end devices, I think, like the S4 and the, the Note 3. I mean, you're not going to have like a 2-year-old S2 and be able to use it with it. You're not going to have a generic Android phone or HTC phone and use it, from what I've read briefly. So. But and oh, okay. S- Samsung isn't the only one that announced it. Qualcomm also has one uh, they said that they're working on uh, yeah. called the Talk, the T-O-Q. Yeah. Uh, it's been... I'm working on one too, Matt. What's that? I'm working on one too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we'll start a Kickstarter. For... <laughs> I'll bet you every... Uh, phone manufacturers. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. isn't it a little... Come on, man. Show it to me. It picks or it didn't happen. Right. Yeah. So far, what do we have? The Pebble and now the Samsung one? Yeah. Do you guys want one of those things? I wanted one when I was 12 and used to watch Inspector Gadget, but I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't... Not really. I don't want to wear a watch. Like, I, I would... Say, I, I would like to have a watch because yeah, I used to I don't, wear a watch. I don't wear watches. I, I have this... to cover up all of Matt's awesome tattoos. Yeah, I know. I can't be. <laughs> if I want to watch, it's going to be implantable, and I'll wait for that version. 
But now let me ask you guys, glasses, something you wear on your head or something you wear on your wrist? Wrist. I would take Google Glass over that if, if it was the same price and roughly comparable. In I, value, would, if, I would take Glass, but I would only use it like in certain occasions. If one was augmented reality, and obviously the watch couldn't be augmented reality, I would go with that. But as Glass stands now, I don't know. A watch would probably be less nerdy. Less intrusive. I don't know. Less like, hey, yeah, look, I mean, I'm can wearing. Can you picture yourself walking around to delivering, delivering this or that to different customers and whatnot, and you got this this thing on your face? It would make your it's... day like twice as long because every single stop, someone would be like, "What's that? What is that?" But what if it's a that? watch, right? Nobody. I mean, people see weird watches. I mean, we used to have. Well, another problem is you're only getting like 40 minutes of solid use out of it. Like, let's say if you're recording video, right? Solid, yeah, yeah. Solid. A forty-minute mark, it basically kills over. But uh, if you can like actually use it with a battery pack, you know, stuff like that, make it more efficient. There's things they can do to make it a better product. But you know, they're probably a year out from from selling it. In my personal right. Opinion. So Qualcomm says the smartwatch has been in development for over two years and is the world's first smartwatch with a Mirasol capacitive touchscreen display. The screen isn't backlit, but rather consists of an interferometric modular. Modulator, intraferometric modulator display, nailed it, that uses light around it so that users can read the information even at the beach. The screen also provides brilliant colors and buttonless touch-based experience for managing calls, music, stocks, and the calendar, and more. And yeah, it, it basically reflects light. They say it, it provides really days of battery life before it needs recharging. Uh, even more, the power requirement is so low, the talk doesn't have an on or off button. Uh, thanks to Qualcomm WePower LE technology, recharging is hassle-free as you simply place the device on its case for a drop-and-go experience. Now, that's kind of cool. And it says the headphones, the optional headphones, which will probably be 300 bucks, uh, have the same wireless charging capability. So that's, I don't know, that's something different, right? That's You don't have to actually plug it into your laptop and let it charge or whatever. That, that display sounds like you can use it at the beach, but how about when you're in the, in the dark or in a dimly lit room? That's yeah, an that's interesting a good point. Yeah, it sounds like it's a, a passive kind of a technology. I feel like they would have, you mean like um, kind of like an e, e-paper, the Kindle or something yeah. that's yeah, not I mean, backlit? It sounds like. From the name they gave it, it's sort of passive and doesn't need a lot of power. But that means maybe when you don't have ambient light, maybe you don't see it too well. They do have a website where they go over the benefits, but I haven't been able to look at it extensively. I like scan through it. So. And also it says this is going to be a limited edition accompanied by a premium audio edition <laughs> that features the first truly wireless stereo headphones. In other words, it may not sell well. Right. It, we're going <laughs> to test it. <laughs> so, so Qualcomm's going to sell these things retail. It'll be compatible with Android 4.03, 4.0.3 when it ships next quarter. You know we're on 4.4 now, right, guys? Kit Kat? That'll be considered gingerbread, right? Probably no, no 4.03 is ICS, isn't it? Or is no, that Jelly Bean? No, I'm just... No, I'm just saying as far as the gap oh, between yeah, what yeah. everybody else is using that. Yeah. It depends when KitKat comes out. And I guess, I mean, while we're talking about that, did you guys see that? We talked about it on AOTA last night, but the next version is not Key Lime Pie like everyone thought. It is going to be Android 4.4 KitKat. 
and they I partnered. I listened to you guys uh, talk about that a little bit last night. And what are your thoughts? You guys said that they came up with going with KitKat because of they working on code and realize most people that necessarily in their the fridge there was KitKats because they love but them. they always have KitKat there. Yeah. Do you consider that a dessert? I thought the whole theme was dessert types. So I thought it was treats, and that's kind of what I've been reading is that it was treats. But it started treats. out. I mean, is a donut eclair? Those aren't really desserts. Those are more just sweets. Well, I do like you know what I call a treat. Megabytes. What do you no. what do you call a treat, Ant? Ribeye steak. That is a treat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I call it? Never mind. That is a good. No, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I saw the the Kit Kat website. It was pretty funny. Did you see I the statue? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like Kit Kat. Like, it's so weird how they made it look like there's literally chocolate there that you want to eat. Like, it's so realistic. It's... Yeah, it looked really good. Yeah, I enjoyed, really good. The, I enjoyed the video, the parody on the Kit Kat website where this guy looks like, well, doesn't really look like, sort of. It's Johnny Ive. Johnny Ive. That yeah. was brilliant. Yes, and then, yes. Yeah, yeah. We should put. We'll put. Perfectionary. We had to put links to all these in the in the show notes at yeahnothertechshow.com. That and the there was a video that Google kind of took down, but someone put back up on Mediafire. I don't know if the link's still good. Off to look, but it was of them raising the statue, and there are all these Google employees taking pictures of it. And somebody points out that one of them might be a Nexus Five, and it might be made by LG. If you zoom in on the back, and so all of a sudden there are all these posts about it, and people zooming in and being like, "No, that's not the LG." Yeah. Some saying yes. It, it so. could also be made by Sony because, like Matt and uh, yeah, and the others, they they went hardcore over like images and like doing this like, breakdown of this looks like the Sony phone. Yeah, there's a there's a Sony phone that got announced that has the same camera placement and the same large dial on the camera. Looks exactly like it, but you know who knows. But yeah, I thought it was funny that they took the the video down right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you won me over in your arguments. I do think now it's a Sony phone. I originally thought, oh, it looks like an LG logo on the back of it. I think it's LG phone, but you guys broke it down so. And well. the more you think about it, they also some of them have those FCC logos, and LG logo when it's blurry like that could also it. So it might just be the FCC thing as well. So who knows? Yeah. But it's all just speculation. But four four KitKat is definitely the name and you can go to the KitKat website and look at all of this android stuff so interesting partnership the first time we mentioned last night that they uh name it something that's licensed something that is like a a, a, what's the name for that like yeah they went with a brand rather than a a generic treat i guess yeah so that was interesting so we're gonna have to wait again until uh may before we can see this I want to see the Verizon jokes that are like, all these Kit Kats are going to be stale by the time you get it, Verizon. <laughs> or something like that, you know? It's going well, to it's happen. It's likely Google's going to announce something in the next month or so. And when it does, I'm pretty sure Kit Kat's going to come out with the Nexus 5 and the Nexus 10 and whatever else they come out with. Sure. Yeah. And, and speaking of Sony, did you guys see also at the IFA, they launched their lens accessories and the Z1 handset. This isn't the one we were talking about that looks like the, the Nexus 5 picture, but another kind of, I don't know, decent handset, a 20.7 megapixel camera and a larger than normal image sensor. So that, that should win over Mr. Smartphone Photographer here. 
Ant. It sure does. And look at that lens, Ant. Look at that lens. I, here, I have to screen share that. You guys have to yeah. see this giant lens. Wait, it, that's I not just it. just don't get it. That's not it. <laughs> Hold on. Let's yeah, try that. Nice again. try, sir. That was awesome, though. I have it on my screen if you want. There you go. There you go. Look at this gotcha. lens. You gotta be kidding. Right? Would you pack that around for your phone? I like the phone, but I just don't want to do that whole extra lens thing. I agree with that, with Ant. I would take the phone, but not so much the lens. Just me. But let me ask you, if you if you couple a 20.7 megapixel camera phone with a nice image sensor with this lens, like is that is that going to keep up with an SLR with a nice lens, do you think? Like, is that getting anywhere close to not having it's, to pack around all of that? and just... It's going to be a tale of the tape because you got to look at the processing and all of that. Sure, sure yeah. Okay, and you got to also look at the results. What does it actually produce? And how easy is it and quick and painless to get that lens on and off? If you're like, oh, i got to take a picture of this more times than not, you're not going to be like, but i got to get this lens out first. The people that's done it right is those... What do they call it? Uh, Ollie clip. Um, they what's make the, it? They make the extra lens for um, for iOS, and I want to say they make it for some Samsung phones. And it basically is just like a like a money clip with the lens on it, and it just clips over the edge of your phone. Very easy to pop on. Very easy to pop off. Doesn't scratch the phone, anything like that. And people have gotten really nice results where they're fisheye lens or a telephoto lens where um, like Mr. Mike Sweeney was able to take a shot of the moon you know stuff like that that's cool I've tried that a few times with my I have like nice Celestron moon binoculars and I try to set it up and then get the picture with the phone in there it would be nicer if you had a legit attachment for that for sure yeah duct tape my man duct tape yeah right (laughs) so that's I don't know the phone yeah go ahead if this thing can be as portable and, and accessible as that Ollie clip, they may have a chance. Granted, it's too freaking big for my taste, but some people probably don't mind having that extra thing in their merce. If well, you could have that replace it, if there are some guys that carry an SLR camera and a phone around, and they could replace both with that one thing. Well, and that's, they asked uh, Francisco Geronimo, he's a mobile devices research manager at tech uh, consultancy IDC. He says the concept is interesting, but when you think about using it, will users want to carry them around, saying the phone and the lens? He says the problem is that for those wanting top quality photographs, the experience of having a DSLR offers a better experience than a phone with an add-on camera. Uh, meanwhile, having the lens attached to a phone makes it feel quite bulky compared to having a compact camera or a standalone handset. Well, the one advantage to doing this is that it's, it is connected to an Android phone or a whatever. Right. And that's connected, so you can immediately send your pictures out you know, yeah. to a drive, Dropbox or something. That is true, right? Something you can't quite do. I mean, unless you get like the Galaxy phone or something like that. But even that doesn't have an add-on lens. And it depends how it. good this lens is, right? This could be a complete pile. You can instantly you know, send your... Don't, don't the cameras have some of them at least have uh, radios in I, I think the chipsuit doesn't... Wi-Fi. Some of the some, some of the memory sticks have the Wi-Fi built in, don't they? Or is it in the camera itself? I think both. Yeah. He says if the the lenses were priced under a hundred British pounds, so like under seventy bucks, seventy five bucks, 
Uh, he says, then I could see photography geeks buying it or operators bundling it with the phone, but these lenses will be quite expensive. Well, getting Matt to Larry saying someone carrying both a phone and an SLR, I don't know if this would sell for those people because the ones that are carrying both, they're used to a certain type of performance with that SLR that you're probably right. not going to get with that phone. Um, that's why I said that there's going to be other variables involved, like how do, how fast does it snap? You know, what's the shutter like, and how much adjustments have how many adjustments have to be made to take a shot? You know, and it's interesting. It is new, and they're saying that um, it's a statement as one piece of many things that are starting to come together under the umbrella of Sony. This is Dennis Van Shee. Uh, he says the PlayStation 4 is coming out in 4K ultra high res. Tfes uh, we're the leader. He says, from the formats to the cameras to recording capabilities, uh, that will appear quite soon in mobile. He says, now we're the first ones to dare to create a lens-type camera with a new kind of user interface. It contributes to what Sony is standing for. So, wow. Who knows? You know, it, might, it might be also awkward to hold it. It may not even feel just the balance of it. Maybe. Well, and you're not... In, unless yes. they did the hardware button, like the old Droid X, where you could actually take a picture by clicking the top button. Unless they have some sort of, you're not going to hold that with the lens and then try to tap on the screen to take your picture. I don't. That's not going to work. I don't think. That's a good point, bro. They got to have a button, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's on the, the way it feels in your hand, the way it balances. It just it looks big. It. It looks like it weighs like three of those phones. And you know how heavy lenses are if you've ever messed with lenses for cameras. They're not light thing. The glass is heavy, you know, if it's a decent lens. Yep. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, like I said, nobody's doing it. So it is. I always thought like, man, I wish I had a lens for this thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. And then also announced we should talk about the Amazon Kindle Paperwhite. Uh, this is kind of cool. You're, uh, I don't have Kindle, but it says uh, the the paper white technology is supposed to just look better, and of course, you know, more like paper. Yeah, wow. they they let slip this announcement and they pulled it for a while, and then they put it back up. So I don't think they're intending on announcing it yet. They've got their own. Uh, they don't. I don't think they've announced uh, their next conference, but it, it's due any. Any uh, week now that there's them like Google, like everyone else, are going to come up with ne- with another conference announcing their holiday items, and uh, I don't think this was supposed to be released, but maybe so. It says it'll be a uh, hundred nineteen dollars when it when it comes out. Uh, the, there'll be a bunch of other improvements. Also, they said uh, it'll feature higher contrast integration with the reading site Goodreads. If you use that. Uh, and the option to engage more with books by making vocabulary lists, adding inline footnotes, and a kid-focused program that gives readers achievements for hitting reading milestones. I think that's really cool to do that. Like, I've been messing around with Khan Academy, and they kind of gamify education by, like, the more videos you watch and the more problems you do, you get points and you get badges and all that. Yeah, if you gamify anything, like you'll get people into wanting to do it. It's it's a weird thing that people like I have a I have a buddy at work that if we could gamify his job, it would like life would be set, you know. It's it's just one of those things, but yeah. It, it, it really works with little kids. It's like book it. Remember I the pizza party? Do you guys remember book it and if you read so many books, you got a pizza party? Oh yeah, that's right. Do you remember book it? Oh man, it's old school. I think in my whole career, I mean, I got one little personal. You just had to get anything. 
Didn't what? you guys have gold stars? Yeah. Yeah. Just, That's why Angry yeah. Birds took off yeah, so well. They went with the three gold star system. Instantly addictive to anyone who ever went through grade school. It's all about the stars, man. So, uh, oh, also, I I kind of like want one of these. It's the CNET had an article about the Asus Transformer Book Trio. It's like a Windows 8 Android dual boot laptop tablet desktop thing. I'm sure it's going to be way more money than I want to pay for one, but I like the idea of taking this laptop that I'm doing the show on and then taking my tablet and then taking my desktop here and putting it into like one system and that that would be yeah cool. they've released a couple monitors in the last couple of years that were basically touchscreen monitors that had android built into it like eight gigs of storage and then but you could plug it up to like a windows pc for example or even a mac and use it so but yeah they've dabbled with this before so and i've seen at least the most recent all-in-one monitor or whatever they called it um it looks pretty nice. Yeah, I definitely want one. It says it consists of a laptop that comes in half, uh, the 11.6-inch screen detaching to become a tablet. Most hybrid laptops stop there, but then it says the Trio also plugs into a monitor to become a desktop computer. Uh, and it's got an i7 for the uh, desktop and then a separate dual-core 1.6 uh, Intel Atom processor for the screen. And the the keyboard PC station has four gigs of DDR3 RAM and a terabyte drive, or up to a terabyte drive. And then the tablet screen has two gigs of RAM with either 1632 or 64 gig storage. That, like, sounds perfect, right? Unless the price is, like, five grand, then maybe not so perfect. But you know, the one thing that's wrong with I want. is an 11-inch laptop. That's too small. That is a yeah. little too small, but anything bigger than... 11 inches for a tablet. I mean, that's already bigger than the Nexus 10. Like, that's getting too big for a tablet, right? So they have to find... Why don't you put the tablet in a dock that has a widescreen monitor attached to it? I mean, couldn't you do that to it? Yeah, you could do that. Well, that's what... I thought you said that's one of the deals you can do. You can hook it up to any monitor, right? Like a docking station. Yeah, no, it can be... Yeah, it says the 1080p screen is detached and you wander off to use it as a tablet. The keyboard can be plugged into a monitor via mini display port or micro HDMI so someone else can use it as a desktop computer. So you don't even need that monitor there. So I assume you could plug in a regular monitor. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's cool, man. They say it's quite heavy, 700 grams. It's almost a kilo. It's almost 2.2 pounds. That's uh, heavy when that's when you've got the screen that in tablet form. Yeah, it's not for the whole thing. Right, the keyboard dock weighs a kilo, the tablet weighs seven hundred grams, so about three pounds. It says comes with Windows eight or Android four point two when it's docked. <laughs> Please Windows eight. Uh, okay, sc- that's not too bad. If it's a what size is the screen again? Eleven two. Okay, like I've got this Chromebook here. Mind you, I bought it for a couple hundred bucks, but it's basically 11.7, 11.6-inch screen, weighs roughly three pounds, and uh, I don't know. I don't think that I don't think that's too heavy. But if, if, that that's an all one. It's too heavy, but if all you're doing is having a browser open, 11 yeah. inches is enough. But if you've got four windows going or even two windows going, yeah, that's, that's a good point. 
The tablet has a 5 megapixel camera with autofocus that does 1080p and a webcam facing forward that does 720p high def video chat. So, uh, 4.2 Android, like I said, when it's docked. The screen only runs Android when it's detached, but when they're together or when the keyboard is plugged into a monitor, it runs Windows 8. To switch between them, press a little button next to the F12 key on the top row. Switching can be instant, but can take a or two to go from one to the other. So, that's still pretty cool. I don't know. I want to see how one works. And I want to see... If you can move stuff back and forth between Yeah, that would be interesting, right? Like the X1, the old Lenovo X1 that was announced, I don't think they ever sold them or anything. It was supposed to do that. If you were on the laptop and you were in Chrome on a browser tab and then you popped out the screen, it would open Chrome on Android where you left off and you could take it with you. But like I said, I I never saw anything after CES for that. Uh, And they say, of course, uh, Asus hasn't confirmed when the Trio is going to go on sale or how much it's going to cost. Uh, the writer here for uh, uh, CNET says that I would expect it to be quite pricey, judging on the specs alone. So who knows? I'm I'm guessing. I'm gonna say three grand. Can can one generalize? Speaking of Asus, is Asus versus Acer? Is one kind of higher quality, but quick, you know, I kind of those two are almost run together in my head. I don't know. For for computer stuff, I've tended towards Asus. For monitors alone, I have Acer because they're yeah. cheaper, but they looked fine. But I don't know. Same here. My friend has an Acer tablet, and I have a couple friends that have Acer uh, laptops, and they just the build quality seems kind of poop. I mean, they're they're okay, the, but I'd rather if given the choice, I'd always go with an Asus for some reason. But well, yeah, Asus tends to have. Yeah, it didn't ahead. have a lot of clout with the hardware, as far as like motherboards and stuff like that. So, yeah, I put it in the chat uh, an Acer uh, laptop. I remember seeing this on YouTube or something, and it's it's interesting because it's a laptop, but it can also sort of fold itself into look like a, a, a desktop display. And all of that. That's kind of like my HP tablet thing, where you can rotate the screen and then fold it back down, and it's like a yeah. big, bulky, ugly tablet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this is only about a thousand dollars instead of about three grand. Yeah, but does it run Android? Well, no, it does not run Android. Well, then, this one. what are you even yeah. talking about? So you have a thousand dollar laptop that folds in half. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ant. No, that's totally cool if you're running Windows 8. I wish Kelsey's Windows 8 laptop would fold down like that. You're right. What happened, you guys, what happens to Android apps? I've been complaining the screen's too small, but what happens to an Android app when it's running on an 11-inch screen? Doesn't it look funky? In my experience, it looks good, but realistically, Android is just a one, one app per screen uh, operating system outside of some hack. It's like Samsung or LG with or Sony. They have but different honest, ways of playing the screen. Honestly, even on the Nexus 10, it it seems like the screen real estate is better used full screen and then using the app switcher to go back and forth. And when it loads it into memory, like it's quite fast. I don't use it really on the phone because the Galaxy Nexus is kind of old. But like on the tablet, it works really well for going in between your last opened app. So... I, I, it's almost unnecessary. I, I don't know. The windowing, 
It's a good interface for a mouse keyboard windowing, but I don't see it. Well, that's kind of what Microsoft is going for with their live tile design. It's basically, you know, one app per screen. Or right, or know. like Google Cards, like Now Cards or something. You're, yeah. You want, and then you can scroll through some of them and activate the ones you want or, or whatever. So. I mean, I do personally like arranging, like, here's a window here, here's a window here, you know, different things, and just tiling or cascading whatever the really i i only do that if i'm using dual monitors and then i'll have one here and one here but other than like trying to fit the hangout window and then stories and then win it like i just alt tab through them it's easier <laughs> that's what's up alt. alt tab that's what's up pro tip of the night <laughs> that's awesome all right, uh, let's see. What else do you guys want to talk about? Qualcomm also has a thing to take on AirPlay. It's called AllPlay, wireless streaming. Uh, like Apple's AirPlay, the technology lets the user stream music from apps to compatible speakers, receivers, or other devices. Which I would say just why don't you have a Chromecast at this Chromecast. point? Chromecast, right? But I don't know. He said uh, they showed John Irwin, the president of music service company, came on stage with uh, Jacobs. Paul Jacobs, CEO, uh, and they demonstrated streaming Rhapsody tunes to several different speakers in the room. What's Rhapsody? Is that real player? Tell me <laughs> that that's real player. Rhapsody? That was. Do people the service, use? I think they. They. Uh, I think that was the name of their music. Yeah. Man, I, I haven't used that in a long, long time. I know a Rhapsody subscriber. You are? No, I know. Oh, one. you know, I know one. That's cool. Yeah, I know. And I laugh, but they were like, "Yeah, I've been doing this for years, and it just never stopped." Really? That's crazy. That's I know, like, about it. I know three Google Music All Access subscribers. So, oh well, and Not you one. guys. I mean, in real and, life. I mean, in me. real, in real oh. life. Not on the internet. No. Oh, okay. So, and that's pretty good for up here, I think. Like, I just figure how many people have actually heard of Google Music up here. It's, like, just my friends and then a yeah. few random other people, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's cool to see more things like this, you know, helping get your content from one side of the room to the other. I don't know. Maybe if you have your house wired up with these special speakers and as you're – this is that whole thing where as you're walking through the house – your music is following you. So I don't maybe that it could be used for something like that, but not from Rhapsody. Sorry. <laughs> uh and then uh let's see, did we want to talk about this? There was an article on Android and me, uh I thought it was kinda of interesting. It was entitled Google Google Rolla Microcroia Crokia Microkia <laughs> and Apple have put hardware manufacturers in a tight spot. Uh, he says, a little over two years ago now, in the summer of 2011, there was balance in the smartphone industry. Two of the biggest companies selling phones at the time took an integrated approach to their user experience. Apple, who was still growing at a seemingly unstoppable rate, and RIM, whose days were starting to look numbered, developed and manufactured both their own hardware and software. Apple with the iPhone RIM with all of the Blackberries. Uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum were Google and Microsoft. Both companies were handing out their mobile OSs, Android and Windows Phone, to hardware manufacturers far and wide with allegiances to no one. Similar to Apple and RIM, one of those companies was enjoying massive surges in the market share while the other floundered. 
but both approaches had contenders in the high and low end of the market share war. Uh, it was in August of 2011 when we first saw signs that balance was shifting. Google, of course, uh, announcing they were going to purchase Motorola. Uh, and then manufacturers like Samsung and HTC, they're fine. The Moto X is good. Uh, both companies are already looking for alternative to Android to supplement their current lineup and protect themselves against the future. And then Microsoft absorbs Nokia. And I don't know, it kind of goes on, but it's it's making that point that, you know, the more, is this going to be a thing now that, like, these big companies that make software are going to buy their one hardware company and that's going to be their homeboy and then everyone else can kind of roll the dice. I disagree with this, this title as far as uh, put hardware manufacturers in a tight spot. Yeah, that's a, a stretch for sure. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, the hardware manufacturers put themselves there. I mean, you got to keep up with the Joneses, you know? But would you recommend then that every hardware manufacturer develop their own OS? I mean, how does that work in the end? That, that no, doesn't I'm not seem... saying do, do that, but take somebody like LG and, and mm. how they sort of made a comeback with the Nexus 4. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we even I, mentioned I would, the, the Kyocera hydrophones. Like, who's heard of Kyocera in a while? And that phone actually looks really right. nice, you know? It's got good specs, and the hardware looks good. It's waterproof. Do something to, to, to get those different um, providers' attention, to get Apple's attention, to get Google's attention, and say, hey, come on over and put your, your software on this piece of hardware, and let's make music together. Right. You know what I mean? And he says, the balance that exists in 2011 is nearly non-existent today. Third-party hardware vendors have a lot to worry about, uh, which do you think they even should be worried at all? I mean, maybe a little, or I don't think really. I don't, I don't know. think so. Yeah. He they says, can always go back to feature phones. Yeah, yeah true. This, this is just the nature of competition. You know, BlackBerry was pretty big. Nokia was pretty big a few years ago, and now they've kind of fallen by the wayside. Apple struggling really just a few years ago. And, you know, it's, it's just competition. It's the nature of it. And, uh, you know, what can you do? I, I don't stress over it personally. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. He's, he says, if I'm sitting on the board at Samsung, Sony, or HTC, I'm thinking simply making hardware for other companies, companies that have their very own hardware manufacturers and don't really need me, is not a sustainable business anymore. I need to ensure my future and the future of the company. Do I fork Android and take the Amazon route, look to Mozilla, develop my own operating system? What do I do? And see, in that, the, the, I kind of see the point there, but I, I think it's still quite a stretch to say that they are in a tight spot because the trouble with that approach is you don't you got to build the app store. Exactly, and there's yeah. like we're seeing with Microsoft, it's too late. It might be too late, and you already have this mass adoption on two of the main platforms. Like, you have to do something completely different or intuitive or innovative to suck people away from the two well-established ones this late in the game. You know, that might have worked 10 years ago. something that emulate that's a superset and can run, say, Android apps. Right, or you partner with Bluestacks, right, and say we can run these apps on any platform and then it doesn't matter. Then the platform, you know, who, who cares? You know, the other thing in, in that whole story, I don't know what they think, is how about Chinese companies like Huawei and stuff? Well, we just saw, right? Hugo Barra going to Xiaomi, who made uh, MyUI or MUI, and a bunch of Chinese smartphones there in that market. Like, that's that's huge. Oh, yeah. 
And if yeah, they HTC is China. building their own operating system for China. Go for it. Say HTC is building their own operating system for China. For Chinese, yeah. Supposedly that's in the works there, so you're seeing a lot of that. And Chinese companies will be here too. I mean, you know, it's that's a big that's you know, one thing, that's a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, one thing. Yeah, one thing to think about, like Sony, you know, they have their own PSV. That's basically a, a portable device built on ARM architecture, like Android. Its own custom uh, design, but it's got its own operating system, and it's like based off Linux, and it interacts with its own, you know, PlayStation 3 and likely PlayStation 4 with its own operating system there. So I think, like Sony, for example, they they're still diversifying. You know, they're not just building, you know, Android tablets or whatever. All right. Larry, you got your Chromecast finally, and you can't get the Wi-Fi to work, or what? Well, I got it to work, but it's yeah, I I got it. I've only had about an hour so to screw around with it. Um, finally, I decided I was so pissed off at those guys for the way they handled it that I just waited until Amazon shipped it to me. I became a pro Amazon, but yeah, it it works. I got it working, but it's um, I, I put up a little. Uh, you know, power chart. I've got pretty good Wi-Fi in the room where my TV set is, uh, and I had, no, you know, the Roku in there has no problem. My laptop really has no problem. Uh, but that thing, I had to really screw around with it to get it to connect. And I, so my conclusion is that the radio is a little bit on the lame side. And I, I remember years ago, for um, when the iPad first came out, my wife got one, and I wrote a thing for A and B actually. Uh, sort of showing how lame the radio was in that. I don't mean so, you talking about that, like. Yeah. So my guess is, and and then I kind of posted on a uh, a couple of communities. Nobody seems to have. They don't talk about the specs of the radio, the sensitivity or anything. Uh, it's just like invisible. And I'm sure that you know this is version one. I still think that Chromecast and I, I think that Google's in a good position to take over the world. Tell the truth. But uh, the Chromecast, like Ann, you said something before when they were uh, comparing. Somebody was talking about uh, casting video across a room, and the Chromecast is in my house anyhow isn't up to it. I cannot throw away my HDMI cable that goes under the rug yet, uh, mm. as much as I'd like to. Nick but, had to go. I should just mention, like Nick, Nick oh, had to shit. take off. He he does these shows on his lunch break, so. Oh, uh, Nick well, Carroll, everyone, you. catch him on Attack of the Androids uh, last night, and of course, yeah, it's tonight. I wouldn't get a chance to tell him goodbye. Yeah, that's all right. So, what were you saying? Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just saying I, I don't think it in uh, it works fine for the you know the Chromecast enabled apps where it's where it's just uh, you just hand it off to the Chromecast and it and it gets it itself. But it cannot. I cannot really stream from my laptop to the Chromecast, the, the current Chromecast. Um, plus, my laptop's too lame. The fan comes on and it heats up. Uh, but that's all going to be taken care of. Right, this is still way early, right? I, yeah, have you been able to, like, can you, I think it was you mentioned, do you stream stuff that's not, you know, I mean, not the regular Chromecast, Chrome, Chromecasted apps, but just regular web tabs. Can you stream them effectively to your TV? Well, I don't have a Chromecast. Oh, okay. Um, I guess but so. I can't. But I have the Google TV, so yeah. I'm able to send stuff over um, from my phone, such as uh, YouTube, 
stuff, I can send it from my phone over to the television. Or even if I um, had my PlayStation 3 on, I could send something from my phone or tablet that's in the YouTube app to the PlayStation console and it'll put it up on the But that's not like streaming out of a tab. And I wonder, Larry, if you have, you know, on the the gear on a YouTube video, there's different resolutions. Maybe there's something in the resolution that's being weird on the TV, maybe? I don't don't know. It's it's not that. I mean, even, okay. First of all, I didn't have trouble connecting at first. I had to just fart around with the antenna and stuff to get it to even be able to connect. Whereas, like I say, my Roku connects fine, my laptop connects fine, and I and the you know the the signal strength's pretty decent in that room, minus fifty, sixty dB. So my see, my assumption is that the radio is not very sensitive. And hey, I mean it's a teeny little thing that costs thirty five bucks. Um, right. It's not ready yet, at least in my environment. Uh, yeah, it would work fine if I were. If the base station and the TV set and me were all in the same room, I, I bet it would work pretty well. But it's not like a uh, long range, a long distance. Sort not of a thing. long range. Thing, you need yeah. to build a cantenna for your Chromecast. There you go. <laughs> yeah, like a big old Pringles I, can yeah, hanging exactly. off that. We need an aftermarket for these big ass uh, Chromecast. Yeah, I need a cantenna just for my network in general. Yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah, got I everything here so, plugged uh, in, so. I don't have an network yet so but at any rate this is tr- this is two years from now this won't be an issue yeah uh, right, for sure like i say it was an issue for the first ipad i don't have the current ipad but i'll bet it's no longer an issue for the ipad i'll bet the radio and that is has caught up with my laptop radio stuff's tricky physics too especially yeah. when you I get a lot of interference and you get you know lead in your walls i mean it's signals yeah. tricky no, but I'm talking about... I'm, I'm surprised it works at all. Room. I'm sitting in the same room uh, with my laptop, with my Roku, and my Chromecast. And also, I, I turn, you know, run a program that kind of monitors signal strength, and it's not that bad. I, it's, it is acceptable. Did so you notice... I that the Chromecast sucks a little bit. Did you notice the Chromecast signal increase if you took other devices off of your Wi-Fi so that interference was gone? Did, did no, the... I'm talking about the ability of the Chromecast to connect to my base station or router or whatever. Right. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if it connects better if you turn... Like, my, my router kind of chokes if there's a ton of stuff on Wi-Fi. So if I turn everything off except what I'm using, it gets a better signal. Maybe that has anything to do with it. Yeah, Who knows? All right. I, I'm hungry. We're just about out of time. But I want to read you guys this before we get out of here. Uh, I thought this was kind of amusing. It got passed through the uh, new domain.net. Uh, we have a private group that we're all in. And this, this guy got passed through there. And I got permission to, to read it. So I just want to. Don't, don't hate, but I thought it was kind of funny. It's from our friend David Street. Uh, it says, I have a friend with a MacBook Pro. Not sure uh, about the age or model uh, of the computer, not the friend, but it was issued new about two months ago. The MacBook has a touchpad as a pointing device, but she decided she could not live without a mouse. After a quick trip to Best Buy, she had a wireless USB Bluetooth mouse in hand. An install seemed easy. Just plug in the USB Bluetooth transmitter nub and everything should just work. After doing so, she received a pop-up message wanting to confirm which keyboard she was using was a bit confused by the message and called for my assistance. Me, having almost 
40 years of computing experience and all. So keep that in mind. It's going to be important later. 40 years of computing experience and all. Uh, the proper response seems straightforward enough. I pressed the key it seemed to want, and all I needed to do was click next. And then I was confounded. Click what? What button? There are no buttons! I searched and pecked. I asked her how to do a left click, a question that confused her completely. After a couple of minutes, we gave up for the moment. Sure, it would come to us. Bored, she decided to open the browser, and as I watched, I witnessed the most fascinating thing. She used the touchpad to move the cursor to select the browser and then pressed down on the touchpad about a half inch from the top right-hand corner to open it. I immediately asked to check this out. Yes, there is a flexible section on the touchpad near the top right-hand corner of that presses down, clearly giving a tactile yeah. click and launching the selected item. I soon discovered this is true for the entire touchpad. You can press down <laughs> firmly, not tap, mind you, and click anywhere on the pad. Another of life's great mysteries solved, leaving behind perhaps a slightly greater one. How the hell is anyone supposed to know that? <laughs> I thought that was so awesome. I mean, and too, like you look at it and you're like, there's no... And then you touch it, and you're like, oh, I get it. But sometimes, that's, sometimes that's it takes a That's the life with touch interfaces, period. Yeah. You know, like with menus, shit, the commands are listed for you, and you just have to hunt through them. But discovering what, how to, what can be done and then how to do it. It's, yep. It's uh, Easter eggs, right? Your UI is an Easter egg. Now you have to figure it out. Yeah. You just start pawing the screen and see Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. I think that's it. Uh, excellent show, guys. Uh, every Wednesday night, yeah. Yats, yet another tech show.com. That's our website. Check it out. We have a Google Plus community we're quite active on. Uh, check out AOTA, yep. Attack of the Androids, on Tuesdays, and Point and Shoot, and Aunt Pruitt's smartphone photographer hangout community on Thursdays. And, of course, the yep. communities that go along with those. I uh, got some articles on Tech Page One, a new domain.net, also, as I'm sure both of these gentlemen do. You do. And subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. We appreciate that. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.